how we need to pray that it'll be known that Jesus is in the house. The light of the Lord is in the place. It's a place where you, you really taste the great things of God. Now, we can come very far short of that if we don't look for the Lord and realize that all of our communion with God is based in union with Christ. That's one of the great doctrines of the Bible. Our communion with the Lord is based in our union with him. Let me ask you, I want you to be honest with me. Do you find church life empty? Have you lost focus? Have you got to the point where it's just no benefit, no blessing? The purpose of the lamp was to cast its light. And if you can imagine it, up against one of those gold walls, reflecting the light back through itself over to the showbread table and to the altar of incense. The purpose of the lamp was to shine beauty and glory on the other aspect of worship. That's what the Lord Jesus does for us. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. Today again, we're turning to Exodus chapter 25, and we're looking at the candlestick in the Old Testament tabernacle. The Old Testament tabernacle was a great picture of the Lord Jesus. Every item of furniture was according to pattern. Everything was absolutely meticulously laid out and described by God. And the workmen of Israel were to make the tabernacle according to pattern. This is the God whom we serve. He is a God of order. He is a God of design. And of course, we rejoice as Christians that design is in all of the world. The design is in the laws of creation, gravity, the forces of the two laws of thermodynamics, the human body, how everything functions according to order, beauty, and regularity. And of course, in God's worship, he is calling us to worship him not only in spirit and truth, but as a God of order. And he has regulated the way by which we approach him. We see that in the tabernacle. And this candlestick that was set in the inner court, there was the outer courtyard, the inner court, and then the Holy of Holies. In the inner court, there were the three main items, the candlestick of gold, the table of showbread, and the altar of incense. Now, the inner court was with golden walls, and when the light of the candle shone, how brilliant the whole affair was, teaching us of the glory of the Lord. The tabernacle was a place of beauty and glory, and that's how God wants us to worship him. To God, our worship is precious. It is pleasing. And of course, when we come and worship God according to the light, it reminds us of John the Apostle's words, that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and he cleanseth us from our sins. Now, at the tabernacle, there was the great altar, the place of cleansing, and the place of atonement. Then the labor for the washing of the priest before they entered into the holy place. But as soon as they entered in that holy place where the candlestick was burning, the priest 
entered into a place of glory. And in our own souls, as we worship with God, we want to enjoy that light, that sense of the glory of the Lord our God upon us. And this is the wonder of true biblical Christian worship, that there is the presence and the glory of the Lord in the heart and life of the Christian as we seek to worship him. Now today we're turning to this message from the pulpit of our church here in Cloverdale, and I trust the Lord will bless and speak to your heart. So stay tuned with us. When the Lord Jesus said that he will never leave nor forsake us, it really is true. He can't forsake us. We're always united to him. And whatever we have to face, whatever issues it is, whatever difficulties, we're never alone. The Lord will not leave us alone. When it comes to our church life, we can be a church in this community, in this city, to let the light shine by our union to Christ. And it is his fullness shining through us that makes us a living church, that union with him. How wonderful, how liberating. It's not because we are free Presbyterians. It's not because we have some handle of the truth or some special gifts or some special abilities. No, we deny all of that. It is because of Christ and his fullness. And as we draw from him and live in union with him and serve as the church in union with him, that we become a light to those in darkness. So that's the production. Let's move now to the purpose of this candlestick. Back in the tabernacle, God told uh, Moses to prepare uh, a, a tabernacle. It was a tent. There was two compartments inside the tent. There was the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant, the veil was down, and then there was the center court called the Holy Place. Inside, there were three items of furniture. There was this lampstand, there was the incense table, and there was the table of showbread. But it was all a house of gold. It was covered in various materials, badger skins and so on. As they looked up at the ceiling, they saw material with uh, cherubims embroidered on them. The same with the veal. But it was dark. And so they needed light. And God said that this lamp should burn right in there continually. And that's why he gave the pattern of it. It was for light in the place of worship. I must say that touched a nerve with me. We often think of the light of the Lord, the world's in darkness, the world needs the light of the Lord Jesus. But you know, the church needs light in its worship. That's what this really teaches us. This is not a form of evangelism. This is not a way to reach the lost nations of the world. This is a way that we worship God in the light, not in our darkness. Now, the materials of the walls was pure gold, or at least it was shittim wood overlaid with gold. And as uh, the, the three sides of this uh, holy room, three sides were gold. And then there was this veil or a drape atop with cherubims, and then the veil uh, toward the, the holy place. And as this lamp shone, it lit up the whole room as, a, as a, 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 a place of gold and glory. 
Now, as you come to church, as you come to the house of God, what do you discover? Can it be a boring experience? Can it be a, an empty experience? It ought never to be. I fear that we fall sometimes into that way. But each of the seven lamps, the six branches and the shaft, they lighten the place of worship. It was for beauty and for glory. Now, Christians are called to be children of light, children of the day, not of darkness. Ephesians 5 says, Ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye the light in the Lord, walk as light. Now, how do you get this down to where we're really at as Christians? Well, when we open the Bible, we need light. When we get down to pray, we need light. We need illumination. There is a spirituality. There is a, an insight, an understanding. There's a life of faith that the believer lives because we're united to Christ. And we have his life flowing into us. We have his grace in our souls so that our place of worship becomes a little place of heaven on earth. Now, I wonder, would you pray for that in our church, that the Lord would make these Sunday meetings and prayer meetings of this church a place of a little taste of heaven? That's what it was for the, the Levite who went in there as he entered in with his white garments, and he entered by the blood, and he stood in the light of the lamp. It was a little taste of heaven. And my brother and sister, that's my prayer for you as you come to this church week by week, as you would join in the, the worship here, that you would, you would taste heaven, and there would be great light to your own soul and to your own heart. Now, our union is vital because our light is never our own. It's never our own. It's borrowed light. The shaft is central. In fact, it is depicted as a little bit higher than the other six, and that's the preeminence of the Lord. He's central. He is, he is full. And then the other branches that are joined to it. And of course, this is the picture of the church. That's why we're to assemble together and come together as a church, that we may enjoy the light of the Lord. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And my friend, that's what makes church heaven. That's what makes our worship blessed. It's when we have our Lord in the midst of us. How we need to pray that it'll be known that Jesus is in the house. The light of the Lord is in the place. It's a place where you, you really taste the great things of God. Now, we can come very far short of that if we don't look for the Lord and realize that all of our communion with God is based in union with Christ. That's one of the great doctrines of the Bible. Our communion with the Lord is based in our union with Him. Let me ask you, I want you to be honest with me. Do you find church life empty? Have you lost focus? Have you got to the point where it's just no benefit, no blessing? The purpose of the lamp 
was to cast its light. And if you can imagine it, up against one of those gold walls, reflecting the light back through itself over to the showbread table and to the altar of incense. The purpose of the lamp was to shine beauty and glory on the other aspect of worship. That's what the Lord Jesus does for us. And we need the light, the Lord himself. Jesus is the light of the world. He is our light. We will have light by union with him. And the moment we're cut off, we're in darkness. We're in darkness. We walk in darkness. What about your Bible reading? Does the Lord shine upon the page? Does that Bible have beauty and glory as you search the page? What about prayer? Some Christians tell me it's hard to pray. And I agree. I agree it's hard to pray. It's hard to pray when the darkness. It's hard to pray when there's no light. When you're not even sure if your prayers are being heard. Not sure if you're really in the presence of God. What about our singing? Is there beauty and glory in it? Oh, the Lord loves to hear the praises of his people. What about our preaching? I have to search my own heart. I have to look in and say, now, what, what I'm doing here on Sunday mornings and evening, is there something of the very beauty of the Lord in the handling of God's word? That's required. And the Lord promises to give it. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And this, the whole purpose, is to have the Lord's light shining in us. I wonder, do others see the light shining in us? Other Christians, firstly. As you come to God's house, we, we come together to encourage one another for fellowship. And there ought to be a light on your countenance. There ought to be a note in your tone of voice. There ought to be such joy in the presence of the Lord that it becomes light and help and strength to brothers and sisters. You see, the problem is, if you come in with a dry soul, dead in heart, someone else comes in with a dead heart, dry of soul, and you have a whole collection of people who are dead and dry spiritually. What do you have? A church? No. You have deadness, darkness. The Lord needs to come into the midst and to give that spiritual light and to give that life. So there's the purpose. What a dark place the tabernacle would be without the lamp. And we need the church to be alive and to be a light in the midst of our worship. Now we bring uh, another thought, and I'm going to hammer this one. The source of power for the lamp was beaten oil. Beaten oil. I'm going to turn you to chapter 27 and to verse 20. Uh, it refers here to the, the very type of oil that was to be used. And thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring the pure oil, olive, beaten for the light. Now, you will get commentators and they will get the word beaten and they'll go immediately to the cross and say at the cross our Lord Jesus was beaten. And the Holy Spirit comes from the beating of the Lord. I don't deny that. All of that's true. 
But I'm not sure that you can take all of that from this. I'm not sure. I don't want to base my Bible interpretation on little tiny snippets that are questionable. And I looked up the word beaten, and it simply means pure. Pure oil, that's pure. Now, obviously, there was some refining process of getting rid of all the impurities and all the the fiber and so on, that this was a, a very pure, refined oil. But undoubtedly, it refers to the Holy Spirit. It refers to the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, the life of the Christian. And the union of the branches to the lampstand ensured the life of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the oil flowing. Now, what's not accurate is that there were little pipes inside the, the lampstand. Uh, that really would be a, an impossibility. How would any uh, goldsmith or workman beat out those pipes and, and make sure that they were bored right through in all the angles and shapes to, uh, so the oil could flow from a central point and feed all the branches. That, that's, not, that's not here. There were bowls on the top, and the Levite would pour in the oil onto each one. Now, when Zechariah took up the imagery or the picture of this olive uh, oil uh, as a type of the Spirit of God and this lampstand in the book of Zechariah, you can read this picture. Two olive trees with pipes flowing to the lampstand. And there is a great message of the Holy Spirit reviving, feeding, supplying the needs of the church. And so undoubtedly there is a connection here to the life of God, the Holy Spirit. Now you and I need to be Spirit-filled Christians. But we don't go very long until we run out of oil. How do you keep the oil flowing? Union with Christ. Every branch must be joined in its place to be shining. And through this union with our Lord Jesus, we enjoy life in the Spirit. Now, I look at my notes here, and I've got one, two, three, four, five major Bible texts from the book of Galatians and Colossians uh, that teaches this. And I'm going to read them to you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The life that I now live, I live by the faith of Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And it's not I, but Christ in me, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. And then the text we looked at, ye are complete in him. This is the life of the Spirit of Christ in the soul of the Christian that we enjoy power, grace, and what I want to emphasize here, Christianity is not a set of rules. It's not a whole list of do's and don'ts. Some people get the idea that that's what Christianity is. Now, I believe in the Ten Commandments. God has revealed the things that are right and proper and the things that are wrong and sinful. But living the Christian life is not a set of rules. Living the Christian life is to be united to the Son of God so that his life flows into your life. And through that union with him, we have new desires. Old things have passed away and all things become new. We have new strength to obey. We have grace 
We have faith that is fueled continually and strengthened and whereby we grow. Now, we've looked at three items already in this tabernacle. We've talked about a deeper devotional life. We started out by looking at Mary and Martha, comparing those two sisters. One was fixated with domestic issues. She was troubled, cumbered about many things. Mary sat at Jesus' feet. How do you become a Mary? How do you get to the point where you feed on his word and, and, and be a Mary in your Christian life, or more like Mary and less like Martha? And... We, we talked about the altar. We need to get to the altar of cleansing. We need to get to the labor of washing. But now as we go into the presence of God, we need to fix on the union, our union with our Lord Jesus. And this becomes now the secret, the inward life of the Christian. Do you know that every Christian's a whole lot better than anybody knows? Did you know that? Christians are far better people than anybody knows. Why? Because you have in you the will to do, the desire to do. Now we confess we don't always do it and we don't always get it right. But we desire to do it. The unconverted person, he's worse than he really appears. Because the life that he lives is really with the brakes on. And if he had no conscience and if he had no common grace, if he had no restraints around him, he would do worse. Because his heart would desire more sin. The Christian desires more truth and more righteousness and more holiness. Why? Because we're united to Christ. We have a new life now. A new whole principle of grace that's living within us. We need the altar for our justification. We need the lever for cleansing. We need the lamp for spiritual shining. And oh, that we were shining for the Lord. A Christian has to fear any form of worship that leads into darkness, that takes us away from the light. Anything that grieves the Holy Spirit and shuts up the oil, anything that casts a shadow upon holy things, our focus and our prayer is, Lord, more light, more light, more of Christ, more of the light of my Savior shining around me and through me, that we might be children of light and more light, more truth, more righteousness. Here we have a beautiful picture, this, this menorah. A beautiful picture, prominent in history. Uh, it's well known and it's, it's, it's easy to grasp. And it's given by God to help us. Help us learn a great basic gospel truth. That we're very privileged to be united to the Savior. It's a great thing to be a Christian. It's a wonderful thing to be saved. It's a wonderful thing to have the Lord as our Savior. And we're united to him now and for all eternity. And whatever we have to go through, life, death, we're united to him in life, in death, even in the grave, united to Christ. And one day with him for all eternity. What a Christianity this is. What a gospel this is. What a hope. It thrills the heart. I pray this will be a help and blessing to you today. We have a closing hymn we want to sing now. We're going to turn, please, to hymn 458. 458. Once far from God and dead in sin, no light my heart could see, but in God's word the light I found. Now Christ liveth in me. Christ liveth in me. 458, please.
stand to sing. broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. There you can find a link to our Sunday services that are broadcast online. 
For all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on this station for our full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.